0: Actors Talk Podcast, Episode Forty Four. Welcome, everybody, to Actors Talk Podcast. This is Episode Forty Four. My name is Tommy G Kendrick. I am the producer and host of our digital get together. Thanks so very very much for joining me for this episode. Terrific interview upcoming. I hope it's I uh, hope you think it's terrific. I certainly do. It's with uh, an independent writer director named Michael Crabtree out of the Dallas, Texas area. I first met Michael Crabtree mm, back 1997-98, somewhere around there when we were both Out in West Texas on a terrific little independent film called Dancer Texas Population 81, which you may have never heard of. I hope you have because it's a wonderful little film. You know the writer-director of that film, Tim McCandless, because he went on to do a very, very popular film with Michael Caine and Robert Duvall and Haley Joel Osment. That film called Secondhand Lions. And then he was also the screenwriter for The Iron Giant animated film which is very very popular and an award-winning film as well, but I first met Michael Crabtree on that film. He's a terrific actor. He's got, I think, about 25 years or so in the business. He's been in The Alamo, The Life of David Gale, Tender Mercies, Murphy's Romance, Temple Grandin, some just great projects, and this is his first effort as a writer-director, first feature, Odd Man Out, shot in the Dallas, Texas area. I think production, at least pre-production, began maybe almost two years ago, and you know how it is in the independent world of getting the film done. It didn't shoot for that long, but it's it's been a two year journey from start to where it's ready for distribution. And we'll talk about that journey in this interview. So if you are an independent filmmaker, a low budget filmmaker, this is uh, an interview that I think you will be able to get some good information and I think inspiration from. Michael talks about their method of shooting, which was very interesting and not for the uh, inexperienced. He had a great cast. They did a lot of improvisational work, fantastic main location, a huge antiques store in Forney, Texas, and we'll have some pictures of that on the website at actorstalkpodcast.com. By the way, don't worry about taking down any links to information or websites or anything. All you need to know is actorstalkpodcast.com. I will have show notes there, as I always do for every episode, and there will be links and photos and ways to get in touch with Michael Crabtree and to view a trailer for this film and also some information on an upcoming project that he's the director on. We'll talk about more, more about that. That a little bit later, also a project called Donovan. But we want to concentrate on Odd Man Out right now. Before I get to the interview, two things. One is I want to give you something. I want to say thank you for being my listener. Now, unfortunately, I can only give away a gift to one listener. Michael Weese Productions, which is a fantastic U.S.-based film book publisher. They publish great books related to the film and television industry. And you, probably, if you bought a film or television book from amazon.com or off the internet, it it may well have been a Michael Weese production book. They have sent me a new book called Master Shots Volume 3, which, which of course indicates that they're was a volume one and a volume two. I was uh, sharp enough to figure that part out. (laughs) These are really good books by Christopher Kenworthy, volume one was 100 Advanced Camera Techniques to Get an Expensive Look on Your Low Budget Movie. I think all of us could use that, especially in the realm that we're dealing with here and talking about a lot. Volume 2, Shooting Great Dialogue Scenes. And then this new book, Volume 3, The Director's Vision 100 Setups, Scenes, and Moves for Your Breakthrough Movie. This is a really well-illustrated book and Pardon the sound, but I'm thumbing through it here. What Mr. Kenworthy has done is taken a 100 different shots, and he gives you several different photographs that illustrate those shots, and then also an overhead view with arrows indicating movement of either the camera and or the actors in the scene for that particular setup. This is a terrific book for directors of any level, especially a director and maybe at the early stages of his or her career i would think actors this is a great book for you i keep stressing a lot of these books for directors also are great books for actors if you are coming maybe from a theater background if you're a beginning actor and you haven't done a lot of film work yet man this is a great book for you actor. so you want to check that out i'll have a link in the show notes where everyone can get hold of these master shots books but i have one to give away how do you get it if you are a director director, and I want to make sure that this gets into the hands of a director or an aspiring director, go to actorstalkpodcast.com. There's a blue voicemail button there. You must have a microphone on your computer, and it must be a voicemail. It's not going to work for email. I'm going to take the first voicemail from a director who wants this book, Master Shots, Volume 3, wherever you are in the world. I believe this uh, utility will work for you. Voicemails will be timestamped so I will know who is first. (laughs) Please don't make me have to make up a phantom... a phantom directing uh, listener because nobody calls. Oh, how sad that would be. I think we'll be able to get somebody to call. I certainly hope so. It's a terrific book. I'd love to keep it for my library, but Michael Weese Productions has granted me permission to give this book away, and I will be happy to do that. I have not bent it up or written on it or coffee stained it or anything, I promise, and I would be happy to give that to you. So leave me a message at uh, actorstalkpodcast.com. Let me know where you are in the world, where you are as a director. Have you yet? Are you about to start directing? If you have a project you want to give us the name of that we can toss out there to the world, I'll be happy to do that. And let me know how you found out about Actors Talk Podcast. If you're a first-time listener or a regular listener, I'd like to know that as well. The first one gets the book. I wish I had more to give away, but only one. I will pay the postage wherever you are in the world. So if that sounds okay, I'd love to do that. Now, I want to give a shout out to a listener. I'm going to try and do this on a very regular basis. This episode, I want to shout out to Cherie Mendez. And that's spelled C-H-E-R-I-E, Cherie Mendez. You can find out more about Cherie at CherieMendez.com. She is a wonderful actor. She's got a terrific demo reel there. She has a lot of photographs. She's a model. She's worked all over the world in modeling and in acting. She now is located in the Texas market from the East Coast. That's how I first got in touch with Cherie a couple of years ago. She got in touch with me asking for some information about this local market. And she's contacted me from time to time to ask, follow, Follow-up questions. And then she's become a listener of the podcast and sent me a very nice note following the Amy Linden episode, which was the previous episode. So Cherie Mendez, thank you so much. Producers, directors, check her out. She is not only an experienced and accomplished actor, she is drop dead gorgeous, and you'll be able to see that. So if you have casting needs, check her out and you'll find how to get in touch with her through her representation from CherieMendez.com. Thank you, Cherie. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And thanks for telling me that you signed up for the email list. Okie doke. Let's get on to that interview with Mr. Michael Crabtree. And don't forget that iTunes sign up. I'd appreciate it. Check you on the other side. I want to make sure you know how to get in touch with me on Twitter and Facebook and all that business as well. Here we go with Michael I'm speaking to Michael Crabtree, writer, producer, and I first became aware of Michael as an actor. Michael, believe it or not, it's been since, I think, 1997, 98 when we first met, when we were working on a little film called Dancer Texas, Population 81 out in West Texas. And I'll tell the audience... This movie's a little hard to get now. It's still available. You can get it on Netflix, but it's not streaming. You have to actually have to order it, <laughs> you know, but you should see that film. It's a terrific little film, and Michael Crabtree gives an absolutely wonderful performance in it. That's how I first became acquainted with Michael was in that film. You were just so good in
1: that, oh, Michael. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you very much. You did a good job, too. You were
0: in that movie. Yeah, I was. Thank you very much. It was a a movie I'm proud to have on the resume. I'm glad glad I was in it. Let's talk about Odd Man Out. Odd Man Out is a film that you wrote and directed. And just if there are a lot of film buffs listening, uh, understand this is not a remake of the 1947 James Mason film noir movie (laughs) of the same title. It's completely different. Can you give us a TV Guide logline version of what? Odd Man Out is about? What's the genre and the core story?
1: We call it a psychological thriller. I read an article in National Geographic magazine about a condition called a hyperthymestic syndrome and if you're not familiar with that that's where every memory you've ever had is like it's on a constant loop in your head. Mary Lou Henner has come out and talked about it. She has it. And it can be maddening as you can imagine because people that have it can dial back to any day, any year, and remember every detail of that day. Things they smelled, uh, ate, uh, clothes they were wearing, clothes other people were wearing, every detail. So I thought it would be interesting if that if somebody had that condition and it particularly uh, pertained to the uh, love of his life, an unrequited love. My story, Odd Man Out, is about two brothers. One of them is handicapped. In a, he's in a wheelchair. He had an accident when he was uh, young. And there were three. There were the Three Musketeers, Matt and Mike Turner and Gracie. And Gracie ends up being with Matt, who's the wheelchair-bound brother, and Mike, able-bodied, was the athlete, but he was pretty much ignored because his brother was handicapped and got most of the attention from this mother, this doting mother. And so he, he leaves pretty early and, and comes back 20 years later, and, but he has this hyperthymestic syndrome, and he's been in a mental fl- facility and found a, a medication that works for it. But he's decided to come back and see his brother and Gracie, who he's been in love with all his life, but who, of course, is married to his brother. And that's pretty much the story. He, As long as he stays on the medication, he can control this hyperthymestic syndrome. But more and more, uh, as he's back with his brother and, and, and his brother's wife, he stops taking the medication. He starts obsessing on her, and then it becomes a kind of a, a game of who's going to get Take
0: this wife. I have to tell you, when I saw this condition, this hyperthymesia, or however it's termed, I think that's one of the terms for it, I thought, oh, is he making that up? you know? And I went and Googled it and found, no, goodness gracious, it's an actual condition, and then found a 60-minute story about it where Mary Lou Henner talks about her condition with this, and it's very, it's absolutely fascinating, really.
1: I thought it was, too. Yeah, I liked
0: it. Yeah, and, it, and certainly it's a key element in the, in the story. One thing I really like about how you handle the story is if you're dealing with this type condition, a less accomplished writer could take this story off in a direction that it couldn't recover from because it would just be a different film. This this condition certainly is an underpinning of a lot of what goes on and certainly of the character of Mike in the script, but it doesn't overpower the film and the story you're telling at the same time.
1: Good. I'm glad you think that. Good.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's there. But it, like I say, it doesn't overpower it, and I have to compliment the casting too. Mike Turner was played by Matthew Tompkins, and I think Chuck Huber is that pronounced correctly. Chuck Huber yeah. plays Matt. They have a really nice on-screen chemistry and a you know nice tension between them. You can see that there's there's love and affection, but there's definitely a tension, and of course, throw Gracie into the mix, and and now you have that uh, three-legged stool that adds a lot of uh, tension and chemistry to the story.
1: Yeah. Well, Matt and Chuck go back a long, a long ways. Um, they've done a couple of movies together. Chuck's very big in anime. He has a huge um, voice in anime. Both writes and rewrites and translates Japanese anime. Really? Into okay. English. Yeah. He's a, a, a Comic Cons and things. He's, like, he's a star. Matthew's such a talent. He was my co-producer. Right. And, of course, starred in it. It wouldn't have happened without Matthew. He's, you know, one of the biggest, uh, best talents in Texas. He's done several indie movies that he's both produced and starred in. So my getting him involved was, you know, was just the big, the big coup. But the way I, the way I, it really got started, a friend of mine took me out to this antique store.
0: Uh, that's going to be my next question. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to talk about that.
1: Uh, and, and, Willie, here's big plug for you. Millions of people are going to hear this. I hope it helps, helps business. Uh, her name's Willie DeRitter. And the store is New Ritter's Antiques, and it's in Forney, Texas. And it has a big B-52 fighter plane out in front of it uh, to would, would kind of let uh, let people know. But it's just the darndest, strangest, most macabre, antique-filled place I've ever seen. Fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 square feet. Just uh, masks and animals on the wall and uh, statues, and, and yet they uh, have bedroom suits and gypsy wagons and uh, sharks hanging from the ceiling. It's just the... Uh, You've got to go out there, Tom. I mean, you got to.
0: I really do. Yeah, it's wife, incredible.
1: Yeah, your wife would love it. You've seen, of course, looking at Odd Man Out, and you've seen some of it. But it's like you can spend days there. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's it's really quite amazing. So I, I found this store. An actor friend. Um, we were out riding around one day, and he lived near Fort. And he took me to this store. And within five minutes, I said, "This is a horror movie set. This this is." You know, everything's here. You don't even have to dress it. You don't have to do anything. It's here. And, of course, about 60% of our movie, uh, maybe 70%, was shot there. So, with that in mind, I started thinking of of some ideas. And I've been tossing around an idea in my head for some time, a remake of uh, Todd Browning's Freaks from 1931 or 32. Are you familiar with that?
0: You know, I have to say I'm not.
1: We have a a kind of a vintage video store here called Premiere Video, and I'm sure there's a store similar to that in Austin. sure. If you ever get the chance, um, rent it and see it because it's uh, one of the strangest films ever seen. It was very controversial. But Odd Man Out was originally a contemporized version of that. That kind of filtered down to a story about two brothers and and basically unrequited love. But I did put one brother in a wheelchair to um, kind of up the, uh, the stakes and the ante there. But the main reason Odd Man Out was the set. Finding that set. And then I contacted Matt. Matt and I, you know, done some things through the years. I'd done some parts in some of his indie indie projects. And uh, we had lunch and I said, look, I got to take you out of this set. And I did. And, you know, ever, ever the filmmaker, Matt, within seconds, was walking around framing things. He, he he started framing shots. <laughs> so that was a good sign, I thought. He um, became more and more excited. Uh, I wrote, you know, Mike Taylor wrote it for him in mind. We did a business prospectus and a business plan, but ultimately we couldn't find any, we couldn't get financing for it.
0: You're anticipating all of my questions, so keep going. This is great stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, financing, finding financing was difficult. So I kept... Um,
0: oh, wait, wait a second. Finding financing, and let's break this down a little bit, if you don't mind. Why was it difficult? Was it difficult because it's always difficult to find financing for a film? Was it difficult because you didn't have a huge name, actor attached, the story? What was the biggest difficulty you were finding in finding your financing?
1: Pretty much um, all of the above. Uh, You hit the high points. Financing is always difficult to find for any project. Uh, We didn't have any name. We didn't have any, uh, we didn't have nudity, we didn't have any, you know, it's not a Transformers, it's not slam-bang-bam action, it's a a small story about two brothers uh, and a a girl in between them. Uh, So, uh, for all those reasons, you know, we didn't even have a a middling name, we didn't, you know, anyone that we could use for uh, international, had any appeal from even 20 years ago. You know, Chachi, I'd love to have had Chachi, (laughs) we we couldn't find Chachi. Chachi would have been great. But you know who I Oh, and uh, aside, a, a digression for a second. Um, at first, uh, I got off the total freaks ensemble of, of freaks um, theme, but I wanted uh, a dwarf. Matt was um, Matt was going to be uh, a dwarf. Okay. And I wanted um, Peter, um, Peter, Peter, and Dinklage. Peter. Peter
0: Dinklage. Peter Dinklage.
1: Yeah. Yes. I just thought it'd be different, and uh, nobody had done it particularly. Game of Thrones wasn't the huge success it is now. I got online. I I got on all these sites with dwarves and uh, contacted several, tried to contact Peter, and the, But and was not real successful and Matt, you know, we'd have lunch and I'd, I'd be telling Matt that I was trying to get a hold of, find um, Peter and the rest of that. And he just smiled. But, you know, in his mind, he was going, you're not going to find him. Nobody, that's not going to happen, finding a dwarf actor that can do this. So, ultimately, I was kind of dissuaded from that, but we put him in a wheelchair. Right. Um, to make it uh, vastly different. So, okay, so
0: let's jump back now to finding finance. You were having trouble finding your financing. I derailed you, sorry.
1: I was next to do my first film. I've written several scripts. I've got scripts in my office. I've pitched them. I've sent them out. I've talked them up, but never gotten anywhere with them, with any of them. But this was a smaller story. And I just, you know, I'm I'm 61, and uh, you know, I'm in the fourth quarter here, and uh, time's going fast. So I hear you. Yeah. So I was just determined to to try and get this made. So I Matt and I decided we'd just do it out of our back pockets. My terrific wife put in some money. I put in some money. Uh, Matt put in some money. And I mean, we had a crew of three. Tommy. Wow. We had, literally, we didn't have hair and makeup. We, I mean,
0: had, did you literally have a crew of three?
1: I had a cameraman and a and a sound guy, the combination, you know, sound and boom operator, and um, a grip or two.
0: Hey, let me tell you, people, you won't believe it when you see this film that the crew was that small because this film is technically very,
1: very solid. We had great sound. Alan Lefevre was our cinematographer. Uh, he shot on a Sony uh, EX, I think, and he had a, um, he had an adapter that enabled him to shoot primes, and so he was our cinematographer. He has a great eye.
0: And some of the most uh, tension-filled parts of the story require a lot of really good low-light capability, and you have that. I mean, you, you don't lose anything in the low-light scenes.
1: And Matt and I, uh, we had a constant, we had an ongoing battle because we'd want something, you know, we wanted it creepy, we wanted it dark, we wanted shadows, you know, we wanted a, we wanted noir, so to speak. Uh, sure. Matt was very big with noir, and uh, so am I. And, you know, we kept, we'd say, you know, and Alan wants to throw up, he's putting all these lights up. And uh, <laughs> it was an ongoing battle. Until until he finally got us to realize, and and, he, and this is what he would say over and over. He said, "You're seeing it with your eyes, and you can't do that. You can't see it with your eyes." And so, uh, you know, he created that great look in the shadows in the dark.
0: Unbelievable to me that you did it with that kind of a limitation on the crew, because I I wouldn't have believe that the great thing about the way you wrote the script and I'm sure that some of this went into how you shaped the script or did you did you fashion the script with budget in mind at all
1: well I knew I knew it could be an inexpensive um, film to shoot at the Ritters because all the sets were already there right we didn't have to do anything just put the actors in and, and and turn on the camera right um
0: how long did it take you to write the script
1: well I actually we didn't have a script when we started per se we had a Oh, a treatment—a six, seven-page synopsis—and uh, Matt's very organic. Matt has done some things where they didn't have a script at all, and they just kind of went with it um, and created it on the spot. He's very organic, and so a lot of it was improv. A lot of it, you know, with the, with the talent like this, you can just turn on the camera, and you know, they make things happen. That's um, the genius of my film directing was casting. Create terrific
0: actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you don't, then that that technique is going to be expensive, time consuming, and ultimately probably not very successful.
1: Absolutely, but again, I was I was old school, and and I I. I Wanted a script. I thought we had to have a script. Actors had to have pages. So I, you know, I started writing. We ended up about seventy-five pages. I'd oftentimes write scenes the night before uh, we shot and send them out to the actors that night or wow. nights before, if possible.
0: What kind of shooting schedule were you on? Did you shoot it all, like start to finish, over? An uh, X number of days, or did you have to take breaks in between, or what?
1: Yeah, we had breaks in between. We shot, I think, uh, eighteen or twenty days, and um, at, mostly on the weekends. Uh, we might have a three-day, you know, consecutive three days, uh, sometimes Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, something like that, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, but pretty much, it was piecemeal.
0: Your location there, the Derritter Antique Store, is really a, a, a fourth major pl- or fifth major player in the film.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I wrote scenes I went out there several times. I, You know, I took my video camera. I'd take my steel camera and, and and shoot stuff. So I wrote scenes around what I'd seen at.
0: So you got a lot of cooperation from the owner of the store, I guess, to give. Did you have to do that when they were closed? Or how did you work around their business hours?
1: Well, I must say Willie DeRitter was quite wonderful. You know, the first time I was out there, actually, I think I approached her. She was there. She's this uh, tall Dutch woman and uh, has a little accent. And she's just very charming. And I said, hi, my name is Michael Craig. Trina. I'm an actor, been an actor, you know, some 25, 30 years, but I'd also like to make a film and I'd like to shoot it here. Would there be any possibility of that? And she didn't hesitate at all. She said, sure, yes, we could do that.
0: Have any other films been shot there because it's such a rich location?
1: No, I don't think so. Um,
0: I've never plus, seen it. but
1: Well, plus, you know, she's such a, it's such a wonderful um, place for art designers and uh, scene designers. Oh my and gosh, yeah. And she has done business, uh, a lot of business with that, uh, those people, you know, through the years. It's kind of fallen off, and she—it used to be much bigger. But she's—you know—the antique business has, has fallen off too with the economy and er, and every other uh, other things. Sure. We mostly filmed at night because you know so much of our stuff was was night shots. But she let us film during the day. We were shooting at Sunday on um, Sundays. Uh, she let us shoot any time. She closed about six or seven. We'd come out about three. One, one afternoon we were upstairs. She had a a kind of an attic over her office with a bunch of. You know stuff up there, boxes and just more stuff, and that's where we put Orvis's little lair. You know, little um, cave.
0: Yeah, tell tell what character he is and, and sort of something about him, so people will know what you're talking about. He's a, a very eccentric character, to say the least.
1: Yeah, Orvis Scu- Orvis Scuttle the third. I I came upon that name Orvis and stuck on it, and then Scuttle just came to me. But <laughs> making it a third, you know, like there were two Orvis Scuttles before him. You know, a little comedy, hopefully, you know.
0: And indeed.
1: And he's played by Jonathan Brooks, quite a talented, uh, creative uh, actor, writer, artist, musician. He's in California now, and he's on the, um, I think it's Billboard. He's um, the host on a Billboard-like music show. You could just Google or search Jonathan Brooks, but he's on on air every day, talks about music. uh, You know, he's been a musician. I predict big things for Jonathan. He's just... um, And uh, Oh, the card scenes where he's playing cards with Mm the dummy? Yeah. That's all Jonathan. We just turn the camera on and all that's improv. All the names, all the repartee, that's just Jonathan Brooks. You know, it, it took my breath.
0: Those are really fun. Uh, scenes, Absolutely. For the people listening, I'll have links to all of this in the show notes. And I'll have links of where you can find uh, Odd Man Out online. And we'll we'll talk about some other things there, their website and IMDb links and all of that. You just go to actorstalkpodcast.com and it actually will be episode 44. So if you go to actorstalkpodcast.com slash 44, then you'll find it there. And all these links and, and things you can check out links to about the actors and about Michael and the show. So so we'll we'll uh, have all that covered.
1: I'm so thankful that you're going to do those things, because I kept um, one of the things I, I repeatedly told Willie was that I was hoping that our film would help her business. She was being so kind to let us shoot there and, and given us such latitude that I I hoped, um, you know, our film would would benefit her.
0: Was this your first feature script that's been produced, Michael?
1: Yeah, my first directorial effort. Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, you're a very experienced actor and that had to have helped didn't
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very much. And again, I had surrounded by such great people. Matthew and, uh, and Alan and Eric Williams at their sound. It's tough, too, um, directing something that you've written. And I found myself you know, more concerned and interested in that they were doing the, the lines and doing my words like I heard them in my head and like I thought they needed to be done for the scene to work. Yeah. Um, you know, so I could, I could concentrate on that. But Angela Chase, who plays Gracie, you know, she's a DJ with ninety-seven One. Oh,
0: really? Okay, so that's where that tie-in comes in in the uh, script, then. Okay,
1: first uh, feature film role, really, of any size.
0: Well, she did a terrific job. Yeah. She did too. I don't want to run too long here because we want to keep the episode short enough so that people will not be afraid to uh, download it to their phones or stream it.
1: And um, But I, I wanted a couple of quick plugs. You know, we sure. have done, we're still doing festivals. I have been, you know, it's been about six months now. Okay. Uh, we're into that uh, doing the festival circuit, but we did uh, get, win a uh, Gold Remy from the International Houston International Film Festival. They did two screenings of Odd Man out there. Of course, we were in the uh, Dallas USA Film Festival and uh, we, you know had very good uh, response and reception there. We actually are still looking and talking to distributors. We haven't decided on a platform yet. We're still talking to people.
0: I wanted to find this uh, excerpt from the Dallas Morning News Review because it, here it is. It says, A fantastic film, a slow-burn thriller that takes its own sweet Tension building, time remarkably polished for a low budget indie. Could not agree more. So we'll um, hopefully look out for uh, those distribution opportunities and
1: a couple more quick things. Tommy. Sure, go ahead. Since the focus of your show is on uh, indie, you know indie film production, uh, oftentimes and, and acting and so right. on, mm-hmm. I am involved and attached as a director. Potentially for uh, a second film, and I don't know if you can if, if this will work for you putting it in. But okay. I, I just, particularly as an indie filmmaker, I, I can't help trying to take every opportunity of any kind of exposure or any person I can ever meet. You know, sure, it's, it's in the grocery line. If I find out they, <laughs> you know, I don't care. Uh, I'll carry your tomatoes and bananas if you'll give me, you know, ten thousand <laughs> know, dollars. There you go. You can. You're a dentist. It's okay. But um, I am involved in a movie called Donovan. Okay, And we have an Indiegogo project right now, and it's it's an Indiegogo project called uh, Donovan on Indiegogo.
0: Okay, make sure you send me that link, and I'll put that in the show notes so people know how to reach that.
1: I will, and it's got an interesting theme, too. Yeah, what is it? Written by a young actor. um, His name is Jason B. Uh, uh, He happens to be bipolar and was diagnosed about 10 years ago, and he's written a a script about largely biographical— about uh, uh, a bipolar divorced man trying to keep custody or not lose custody of his young son because of his condition. It's a very well written script. We are trying to get it done on that. We just uh, started our campaign four or five days ago. We've raised about a thousand dollars.
0: What are you trying to raise through that campaign?
1: On the Indiegogo, we're going right now. We're going for seventy-eight hundred. Our thinking right now is that if we could get seventy-eight hundred, we could get uh, shooting. We can shoot for seven or eight hundred dollars a day and shoot about eight days or so. And use that. We're gonna. We're thinking we'll try and use that to parlay to get finishing right. months. Yeah, yeah. We got a, a a good cinematographer. He's shooting on the black uh, Black Magic camera. Oh, okay, great. I just wanted to plug Donovan. If I could. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I'll put all. I'll put that in the show notes. Absolutely.
1: That's so much, Tommy. And I know I've added some editing time for you. Right. No, now. that's no,
0: nah, that's okay.
1: Tommy, you have no idea. I know. You know, until you get in there and try and and, and doing something like this. Yeah. Um, the things, the concessions, the compromises, the concessions yeah. you make to to get it done—you have no idea, and I don't—I had no idea, idea either. It was both the worst and the best thing of two years of my life, or, or you, you know, right. so far. Oh, <laughs> that's so-
0: what I was going to ask you. Maybe we can wrap, maybe we can wrap it up with that. I mean, that's, that's sort of a good button on it as well. It was the it was the best and the worst two years of my life. <laughs> it was the best of
1: times, and it was the worst. <laughs> there,
0: of you, there you go. What is it that you know now that you wish you had known? two years ago that would have made your life easier along the way
1: i think pre-production tommy we we ran and, and gunned i just i'd type you know i'd type out some pages send them out we'd meet on friday and start shooting uh there was no there was little to no pre-production really we just thought if we you know that action would breed action we just needed to jump in the water and start start swimming and that's what we did so pre-production i think very yeah. very definitely first and
0: foremost it turned out well for you guys doing it this way but it's it's not that's not a way that I would think is going to work for a lot of people who might not have the experience and the talent that you had involved in this because you do usually need to be really well planned and know what you're going to do to make it efficient and less costly and to get the best product at the end of the line. It, you, you did a great job, especially, I mean, everything you tell me, I go, wow, you had that small a crew. Wow. You didn't do pre-production Wow, you were doing it on the fly. It's, uh, an amazing, project from all of those standpoints I and mean, it would be a great film anyway it's a really really good film on its own but knowing right. all these backstory things you go wow this uh this is really something they they really they either got a combination of getting lucky or were uber talented and i think it's probably a combination of both so
1: combination all of the above absolutely absolutely
0: yeah. Well, Michael Crabtree, thank you so much. I'm I'm glad we were able to do this. I hope Donovan gets all the funding it needs and is, is a great success as well. I look forward to seeing your next effort after doing such a great job with Odd Man Out. Well,
1: thank you so very much. It makes me feel even though we can't, we're not finding a distribution right now. That makes me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well. Well, you will. It's a it's a hard process, and and hopefully you will. But that's um, that's sort of something that everybody struggles with, I think. But you've got a good film, and you just, I think, you know, you have to hope and believe that that will count in the end. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Michael. God Thanks bless. Appreciate it. Bye, bye. You, you bet. Take care. Bye. Well, that was Michael Crabtree, writer, director, co-producer of Odd Man Out. Thanks so much to Michael Crabtree. Man, Michael, i always known you were a good actor. Now I know you're a good writer, director. Congratulations, dude. I am very, very impressed with your effort on Odd Man Out. Thanks for being a terrific guest. I hope you, independent filmmaker out there, got something out of this episode. Be sure you visit the show notes, actorstalkpodcast.com. I'll have links to... Uh, Different things that we talked about. I'll have some I have an affiliate link of where you can pick up one or all of the master shots books. When I say affiliate link, I think I talked about that. You know what that means? That uh, I would get a small commission off the sale of the book from Amazon, and you would help support Actors Talk Podcast by making the purchase through the affiliate link. Absolutely, do not have to do that. You can go direct to Michael Weesey Productions or to Amazon or wherever you like to buy books and do that, but. If you buy through an affiliate link, then just helps the podcast. Thanks. You do that. I appreciate it. Well, oh, hey, a new trailer dropped on uh, Facebook for my uh, web series that I'm in. Not mine. I'm in it. Westish. A few different shots of me. And yeah, it's really cool. Uh, more stuff on Westish coming up. I want to just say thank you to the people who are contacting me already about acting projects for the coming year. I believe the news is we're we maybe shooting some more episodes of Westish early in the year. It's a short film project and I have a mentoring event also coming up in February at Lamar University in Beaumont that I'm looking forward to. That's my old, my alma mater. I'll be talking to some acting students there. If you have a film you'd like to talk to me about, I'm available and uh, I'd love to talk to you. You can get in touch with me through the website or my Agent at Call Your Talent in Austin. God bless you. I'll see you. Hey, reach me on Twitter, Actors Talk, at Actors Talk on Twitter. I'd love to correspond with you through the Twitter feed. God bless. Till next time, this is Tommy. So long.